Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is January 15th through the 21st of the Come Follow Me program associated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is the year 2024, which means we are studying the Book of Mormon, and we, for this week, are continuing to be in 1st Nephi. Now, as I was reading about Lehi's vision this week, I was struck by a particular verse, and I have pondered this verse a lot of times before because there's a lot of message in it, I guess, but it kind of struck me anew this week. Now, to understand the context, in this vision, we see lots of people pressing forward along the iron rod, trying to hold to the word of God so that they can get to the tree of life and partake of the fruit there, which represents the love of God. Now, this is something that it knows. This is the verse that kind of caught my attention. So there are some people and they have pressed forward and they have partaken of that fruit. So this is 1 Nephi chapter 8, verse 25. It says, And after they had partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. So they partake of the love of God and they feel ashamed. If you continue on reading past that, it is explained why they feel ashamed, right? Because there's all these other people who are in the great and spacious building and they're looking down on the people who are partaking of the love of God. And some people are noticing that they're being looked down on and they start to feel ashamed, even in the midst of partaking of his love. But when I was reading it this week, I read that first verse and I paused long enough <laughs> That I know, I know that Nephi explained why they were feeling ashamed, but the spirit kind of whispered to me that there might be another interpretation to this shame that some of these people might have been feeling, right? They saw these people feel shame. And it comes down to this. There are many of us who I believe are regularly partaking of the love of God. And yet we are still feeling shame for past transgressions. Despite regularly partaking of this fruit, we're still feeling this shame of past transgressions. Now, I don't think this is an abnormal reaction. In fact, I think it's actually a pretty normal reaction, right? When you kind of catch a glimpse of something really perfect and pure, it can be very easy to be like, oh, I don't really deserve that. I didn't really earn that. And this becomes doubly difficult if you're still being haunted by memories of those past transgressions, right? When those memories keep popping into your mind and you can't ever totally get rid of them, it can become doubly difficult to partake of that love because it's bringing on some, some shame as well. Now, even though I said that I believe this is kind of a natural reaction. I do not believe that it is a reaction that we should entertain and allow to stay at all. Heavenly Father uses guilt. He uses guilt because he needed some way to warn us and teach us to turn around and come back. But Heavenly Father never uses shame. Shame is when guilt is taken too far and it always draws us away from our Heavenly Father whether we're feeling shame because we're looking at the people in the building and they're looking down on us, or whether we're feeling shame from past transgressions, that shame will cause us to withdraw and to hide away from our Heavenly Father, right? Heavenly Father 
never uses shame. That is a tactic of Satan. And I think that shame, at least in this particular context, I believe that shame is, res is a result of a misunderstanding about what it means to be worthy, right? We feel shame because we don't necessarily feel worthy. And I think if we can talk about that doctrine and what it means to be worthy, we can shed some of that shame. Now, what does it mean to be worthy? We know that the Savior paid for all of our sins, right? But we also know that the Lord has some expectations. He expects us to be worthy, whatever that may mean. Now, over the past few years, the Lord has taught me more about his atonement and the more and more about his perfect judgment. And it has evolved my understanding of what it means to be worthy. Now, my old understanding was this. You are standing at judgment day before the Lord and you have this nice little slate. It's probably not little. You have this slate and on it, you have all of the tally marks for all of the good things that you did, including good thoughts and good feelings and good desires in your heart. And then on the bad side, you had all the bad things that you had done and all of the bad thoughts and all of the bad desires and bad feelings. And it was all there. And then it was placed in the context of your life and your opportunities. And then that's how we were going to be judged. That's how I used to picture judgment day. I have learned since then that that is not how judgment day works. <laughs> and not just judgment day, but all the many judgments in between up until that final judgment day. That's not what judgment day looks like. And the atonement, understanding the atonement of Jesus Christ is key to understanding what judgment day looks like, what it means to be worthy. And here is why the atonement is so key to understanding it. It is because the atonement has paid for all of our sins. They're gone. The sin that you committed yesterday and the one that you're committed today and the one that you're going to commit tomorrow is already gone. They are already paid for. <laughs> it's not there anymore. Sin is no longer affecting you. The Savior, unless you're letting it affect you, the Savior paid for that, right? When you stand at judgment day, if you do have this like slate, there will be no tally marks on the bad side because the savior already paid for the effects of the sins. He paid for the sins with his blood. There's no sins, but there's still a judgment, but it's not about whether you made mistakes and had sins. It's about who you are. We learn over and over and over in the scriptures that the Lord judges us by our hearts. And so this judgment, I think, is going to be very simple. Will you contribute to the feeling of the celestial kingdom? When you're standing amidst your brothers and sisters in the celestial kingdom, will they be able to trust that even if you make a mistake, because we're not going to be perfect yet, even if you make a mistake, will they be able to trust that you mean well and that you're trying really hard? <laughs> Do you contribute to a happy and loving home? Do you love God and do you love others? Do you understand the responsibility that it takes? Do you understand the importance of wielding power responsibly? Are you already experiencing the peace that comes with integrity, right? Because of what I've learned about the atonement, I have changed my approach to the gospel. 
It's no longer about perfectionism where I'm trying to minimize the bad and maximize the good tallies, right? It's not about trying to, oh, I have to read my scriptures. I need that good tally. I'm trying to avoid all the sins and this perfectionist mentality. I have switched it instead to my underlying desire is to draw closer to Christ. And in order to do that, I'm going to utilize the commandments as tools, not as something to hit myself with and to punish myself with. I'm going to utilize those commandments as tools to just draw closer to the Savior. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to draw closer to him to experience his love. And I'm just going to use the commandments to get there. This is a much happier way to live the gospel. I'm no longer holding all of these mistakes and all of my sins over my own head because I know that they're gone. <laughs> because of this new approach to the gospel where I'm just trying to be close to the Savior and feel his love for me all the time, I'm able to experience the blessings of the gospel that were always promised, this peace and this trust and this hope and this faith and all of these amazing things that we're supposed to be experiencing the gospel. I've been able to come to experience those things because I have changed my approach to the gospel. Now, there might be some of you who are still worried, thinking, well, I have all these flaws, and when I get to the other side, these flaws are still going to affect other people, and you're still worried about Judgment Day because you have flaws. Let's discuss flaws for just a little bit, because <laughs> I love this subject. Let's discuss flaws for a little bit. I <laughs> get really impatient with my kids, and I yell at them, especially when I'm pregnant. And I really don't want to be a yeller, but sometimes I am. I also sometimes have a hard time forgiving people. And sometimes I fail to see the best in other people or I fail to assume the best in other people, right? I still have all of these flaws, flaws that do not belong in the celestial kingdom. However, underneath all these flaws that I have, there is this deep and abiding desire, this deep and abiding desire to follow the Lord perfectly and to follow him willingly. I want to do that despite my flaws. Now that, that this is what that means. When I get to the other side and I, and Satan can no longer tempt me and I am no longer <laughs> run ragged and tired and impatient because I have a resurrected body. And when all secrets are out, I will be free from those flaws. Might take a while, but I will become freed from those flaws. The only time that those flaws are going to count against you and follow you to judgment day is if you are clinging to them on your own. So here's what I mean by that. If you need to forgive someone, but you don't think you need to forgive someone, you feel very justified in not forgiving this person that you don't even need Satan to tempt you about it anymore. Those are going to be the times that your flaws follow you. Because when you get to the other side and Satan is bound and he's not tempting you, you're still going to be holding on to that. And that feeling doesn't belong in the celestial kingdom. If you have this deep and abiding desire to follow the Lord perfectly and to follow him willingly, you're going to be okay. 
And let's not forget that all of this, all these principles we just talked about are placed into the context of our lives. Our Heavenly Father is perfectly wise. He knows that not everybody was taught and not everybody had the advantage of a loving home to prepare them for adulthood. I teach these principles anyway because I know that there are a lot of worthy people, worthy members, well, worthy people in general, honestly, there are a lot of worthy people who are still worried to the extent that it's causing them to withdraw and it's causing them to not feel close to their savior. And it's causing them to not experience the blessings of the gospel, which is not what our savior wants for us. It's time to switch. It's time to switch from trying to be enough and be good enough and do enough to simply trying to draw closer to the savior where we can feel that love a lot and it's funny because when we switch, <laughs> instead of trying to do everything perfectly and beating ourselves up over it and working ourselves to death to do it, when we're just focusing on drawing closer to him, it expedites that process of the perfection that we so desperately desire. When we live the gospel in this manner, we get to experience the blessings of the gospel instead of the negative effects of perfectionism and shame. We get to partake of the fruit without the shame. <laughs> and it will be that fruit, that love of God, that is really what changes us. <laughs> changes us to the extent that we do belong in the celestial kingdom. Now, Satan uses shame because it is a very logical tool. We don't deserve, we didn't deserve the atonement, right? That was something that was very willingly given to us and we know we don't deserve it. And so because of that, we don't always question this shame that we're feeling, this like withdrawal from our heavenly father. We don't always question that because logically it makes sense that we don't deserve it. However, we have to question it because it is dangerous and incomplete because that shame will cause us to shy away from our heavenly father, to feel crappier about ourselves and to probably act crappier too because of it. Satan would like nothing better than to distract us from that good feeling that we're experiencing while we partake of the fruit because that good feeling is going to lead us to be better people. <laughs> but we have to understand that Heavenly Father did not put that tree of life there and put that fruit there so that he could stand around and make us feel bad for partaking of it. <laughs> that wasn't the point, right? That was exactly the opposite of the point. We don't deserve the atonement. We didn't deserve that. We don't necessarily deserve his love because we have all made plenty of mistakes. We have caused the Savior pain and we will probably cause the Savior pain again. Those are all true facts. But don't further that pain by retreating from the Savior because whether it's logical or not, the Savior wants you close to him. <laughs> and it hurts him when we retreat from him and we withdraw from him. If you want to consider logic, consider this. <laughs> Not only did the Savior pay for all of our sins, but he also felt everything bad that we're feeling, <laughs> which means that he feels it when we hold ourselves hostage by sins that aren't there anymore. 
And so instead of holding on to these negative feelings and punishing ourselves with them, we, we need to lift up our heads and rejoice. Rejoice that it's all taken care of, even though we didn't deserve it. And just accept it, accept that love because he wants to give it to us. We can turn that shame into gratitude, right? And the more that we do that, the more we are going to feel that love, the more that we cling to that love, the more we're going to change for the better. The more we're going to be filled with that light when we're told in the New Testament, have a reason prepared for when someone asks you about the light in your eyes, about the joy in your eyes. It will be this, the blessings of the gospel, this salvation and this peace and this hope and this happiness that comes from just relying on the Savior and accepting his love, whether we deserve it or not. That's where it's going to stem from. And it will fill us so much with light and so much with happiness that we will want to live better. Now, if you are haunted by memories of your past, if they keep popping into your head and it makes you feel like you're sinning all over again, <laughs> Satan is going to try to do that to you the rest of your life. He's going to, he does that to all of us the rest of our lives. And I want you to consider two gospel principles to help with it. First one, the closer you remain to the tree, if you continue to stay close to that tree, if you continue to partake of that love, if you continue on the path that you're on, one day Satan will be bound and you will be freed from all of the effects of your sins, which is yet another reason to experience gratitude. Not beating yourself up more. <laughs> Another reason to experience gratitude. Second thing, take those bad memories and those bad thoughts that come into your head and turn them upside down because the Savior's atonement gives you the power to do that. Rewrite those moments where Satan puts it in your head. Rewrite those moments with the Savior because you can. Turn them, instead of saying something like, oh, like there's that memory again and it's a memory that will always come back to me and make me realize that I failed so hard and that I don't deserve his love and it's going to remind me for forever. Instead of saying that, look at it and say, oh, this came into my head. I have a choice. I can push it out of my head. I can choose to not entertain it. I can choose to not entertain the shame that often comes along with it. I can turn this temptation into a stepping stone to make me stronger because the atonement allows me to do that. Now, sometimes we'll falter and those bad thoughts will linger, right? <laughs> Repeat the process because it's all about going back to that tree and finding yourself at that tree because if you keep finding yourself at that tree, repenting, feeling the blessings of the gospel, letting go of those sins, if you keep doing that process, that is what leads to perfection. It's not holding yourself back and holding yourself down. It is staying close to the tree. 
that is how we will attain this perfection we so desperately desire. I testify of a savior who never wanted us to carry shame. I testify that he uses guilt because he loves us, because he's trying to push us in a direction back towards him to warn us and say, hey, time to turn around. But he never takes it farther to where you have to carry this shame around that makes you want to hide away from him. I testify that when we hold ourselves down with these sins and we are depriving ourselves of his company because of it, we're not just hurting ourselves. We are hurting him because I testify of a savior who wants to be around us, who desires it. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.